0: What was um, what was the purpose of that?
1: To uh, uh, challenge Pat Leahy to uh, you know as he enters you know whether he wins his next campaign or loses it he's uh, you know obviously in, in the you know final stages of a prominent career as a Vermont uh, uh, a U.S. senator from Vermont and I think he's been uh, complicit in one of the biggest problems that we've seen. Uh, uh, grow over uh, the last uh, generation in America, which is too much money in politics, and you know, here in the he's got a, you know his lobbyist uh, associates uh, from um, you know Washington coming up to you know have dinner with him and go for a hike and things and give him five thousand dollars for a political action committee, uh, particularly when you compare that to the legacy and the record of George Aiken, I thought was a good opportunity to point out to Vermonters that there's something wrong here, and uh, hey Pat Leahy you. Clearly have been part of the problem, but you have an opportunity to be part of the uh, solution if you want to.
0: What would the solution be that you see that he does specifically?
1: Uh, demand that outside money stay out of the 2016 uh, U.S. Senate race in Vermont, and I would challenge him to run a, a $100 campaign.
0: Okay, a lot of people. Which would... is
1: too late because he's already spent a you know an awful lot of money. But going forward, a $100 campaign and. Uh, you know as well as I do, he's widely viewed as the most unbeatable U.S. senator up for election in 2016. If he can't win a hundred-dollar election, then nobody can. And if he wins a hundred-dollar election, it's going to do great things for Vermont. I would argue it would be one of his uh, legacy achievements in his career.
0: Is a hundred-dollar campaign actually realistic, or is it is it is it um, is it a false uh, is it a false um, uh, argument on your part?
1: Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds, but I guess November 2016 might tell us.
0: Uh, I mean, is it, un- is, isn't that, I mean, isn't that unrealistic, a hundred dollar campaign?
1: I don't think so. No. I mean, it's unrealistic if you have paid staff that you don't want to lay off, which is going to be a situation he has. Uh, it's more un- unrealistic for a, a challenger who doesn't have, uh, you know, name recognition, franking privileges, and paid staff. Uh, you know that there's this, you know. Gray area of uh, overflow of duties from paid, uh, you know, taxpayer-funded staff to campaign activities. There's not inappropriately. There's an overlap there. So, as an incumbent, uh, it should, it should if it's possible for a challenger to win a, a race without spending millions of dollars, or uh, that New Hampshire Senate race is going to be a thirty million dollar race. I mean it's it's preposterous for a state with 1 million people where what you're 400,000 people voting in New Hampshire, 500,000 people voting in New Hampshire for a 30 million dollar race. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, and I think, you know, one of my vivid memories of the 2014 gubernatorial election is talking to you about uh, you know, where you were questioning my credibility as a candidate because I wasn't raising a, a lot of money by I thought I raised a lot of money by Main Street common folk standards, but by what's become this game, even in Vermont, people are laughing at me for not being a credible candidate because I didn't want to spend 30 hours a week calling people up and making promises or, you know, kissing their behinds and uh, telling them how grateful I am to get money. Um, We had a conversation and I pointed out to me the hypocrisy of folks in your chairs criticizing folks that are running for office for not wanting to spend all their time raising money Yet Peter Welch, who's an incumbent uh, uh, very respected Vermonter, great guy. Peter Welch gets to Congress and you should double check and make sure I'm not making it up, but Peter Welch gets to Congress like every other freshman Democrat. You know, the school teacher says, You come over here and make phone calls for twenty hours a week now that you've been elected, to help us raise money for our twenty for our next election cycle, or you're not gonna get a leadership position and you're not gonna get things done here. And that's the way it works. I think that's the way it works in the U.S. Senate on both parties, too. Yeah, U.S. senators that get together and have their, you know, call center afternoons to call out and twist people's arms for money. I don't, I don't, that's not the people I had breakfast with at the wayside two hours ago. That's not what they were telling me they want in Vermont. That's not what I hear when I have people walking into my office here that they want. I, I think that's a big, big problem, and I think it's a Achilles' heels of it's uh, Pat Lee. He's one of many, I would argue, but it's clearly an Achilles' heel he has. Uh, and uh, I'm, I just reached out to give him an opportunity to uh, really um, strengthen his legacy as a great Vermonter, and I hope he takes me up on it.
0: You say you're considering running. How how serious are you about that?
1: Uh, you know, one of the challenges I have, Mark, which you know better than anybody or as well as anybody probably is. Uh, I don't, um, you know, have the same seven answers I repeat all the time, and I don't um, really think too much about what I don't want to tell you. So probably after this conversation, there'll be <laughs> many opportunities to reflect on why that's not a great strategy, but that's why I'm going to roll. I would say there's about a one in three chance uh, I will run for the U.S. Senate. Uh, there's about a one in three chance I'll run for Lieutenant Governor. Uh, and there's probably a one in three chance I'll continue to work in my private business and uh, You'll be involved in other people's races and, and try to help them out.
0: Uh, let me go through those. But why why would you consider lieutenant governor if Randy Brock's already announced?
1: I think uh, primaries are healthy, uh, and uh, and I, I, I clearly if I was if I if I get into the Leahy race, it'll be because I think I'm better for Vermont, better for America. Uh, if I get into a LG race, it'll be because I think I'm better for Vermont.
0: Nobody, um, including me, I'll admit, thought you could beat Peter Shumlin. Do you think you could actually beat Pat Leahy?
1: Well, I, I, uh, clearly, uh, I would say nobody, uh, you know, very few insiders like yourself. And I'm not saying that in any derogatory way, but, you know, the hundred okay. people that okay. run around Montpelier and say, you yep. know, everything and talk yep. to each other and tell you all that you agree with each other. Uh, that class of people clearly didn't take our 2014 uh, candidacy seriously. But there were a lot of people uh, that thought we were going to win at the end. There were a lot of people that were happy we were in that race. Uh, you know, I see these, uh, you know, again, even last month, you had Chris Graff, who's a great guy, but he was basically on TV laughing about it. Even Scott Milne was surprised. He uh, did well. Well, if Chris Graff was paying attention and talking to people, uh, I'm on the record talking to credible people, and I'm not making it up. We thought we were going to win that race. You know, we walked into the election night. We thought it was better than 50-50. It was going our way. You know, we hear uh, Vermont Public Radio and National Public Radio call the race for Shumlin before the polls even closed. You know, in, not in a mean way or anything, but I think you were, you know, amused by us, as was everybody else. You know, you know, it was amusing. Nobody took it seriously. We were paying attention to what people were saying on street corners and people that were telephoning out and talking to. So. So there were a lot of people that thought we were going to win. We polled upstairs in this building. The kids and my family that was working on my staff the day before, 9 out of 10 people thought we had a better than 50-50 chance of winning. One person said, I don't think we're going to win, but we ran a good race. So that's what the people on the inside were thinking, and uh, people on the outside clearly thought something else. And uh, I would argue the other person that knew it was very close was Peter Shumlin. He was doing daily tracking polls. Nobody in the media was doing that, and nobody in the media was even... Taking the race seriously seriously enough to go, why Why the heck is Peter Shumlin spending $80,000 that he hadn't planned on four days before the election on TV advertising? Why is Peter Shumlin dragging Pat Leahy around Rutland on election day if he's not worried about this? I mean, he knew what was going on, too. So there, I don't think too many people in the media knew what was going on, but a lot of other people did.
0: Okay. My question actually was whether or not Pat Leahy's beatable in 2016.
1: Uh, if I get into the race against Pat Leahy, there'll be two things that I'll, I'll believe: uh, that I have a pathway to victory, and that win or lose, it'll be good for Vermont and good for America.
0: So you wouldn't just run to make the point about the campaign financing, or just to give him a challenge. You're shaking your head. Yeah,
1: no, no. I'll, 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 I'll I, granted, it's not going to be. Uh, I'm not going to be a favorite going into that race, right? no matter what changes.
0: <laughs> I mean, but I think... Uh, so would, would we in the media be wrong to say that you are not favored to win the race? Yeah, I, I think mean, that would be a pretty uh, sure thing. Okay. Yeah, I think we right. could take that to the bank. Okay.
1: Now, you know, we'll see what happens by uh, November 2016 if I if I get into that race. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's uh, going to be a... It's a... You know, the textbook is it's a bad year to run in Vermont in a presidential year because everybody's going to come out and vote well. Right, it's good. it's a strange year already. Uh, I I would argue uh, it's worse to be an incumbent that's got your fingerprints on the mess we're in as a state and as a country than it is to be a Republican in a primarily Democratic state in twenty sixteen. Pat Leahy's got his fingerprints on the mess we're in in the country, and an awful lot of people that are running for statewide office on the Democratic ticket got the same problem. So I don't think being a Republican's going to be a liability in twenty sixteen if things evolve the way it's possible they can evolve.
0: You say it's been a strange year. What do you make of the Bernie Sanders phenomenon?
1: I, I believe, uh, and you know, uh, I don't, you know, humility aside or, or things, you know, I think there. are uh, one of your colleagues I talked to earlier in the week said, well, you, you think sort of you're going to try to catch this uh, wave of, uh, you know, the Trump, Bernie, anybody but who's an incumbent kind of thing going on. Uh, and what I've heard from other people, and I, I think I agree with, is it, to some extent you can look at the 2014 governor's race in Vermont, which I, I happen to be in the right place on the right time on admittedly. But I think that was sort of a predictor or harbinger of what we're seeing on the national stage right now. I think you, you know, and I'm not saying this in a mean way, but you laughing at me week after week on your radio show and my stupid campaign and, you know, all these columnists, you know, saying we're a comedy show and things like that. Uh I think people that were listening that know me, that, uh, you know, it's a small enough state where you don't just believe what somebody, you got a firsthand experience to counteract what you hear. I think an awful lot of people said, you know, I'm, I'm, I can believe Mark Johnson or all these other people in the media, I'll believe my own eyes. And at the end of the day, they believed, I, I hope, their own eyes. And I think that's what's great about Vermont. That's why, even though the insiders in Washington think Pat Leahy's the most unbeatable incumbent up for election in 2016 in Vermont, anything can happen.
0: I never laughed at you on my show. I never mocked you on my show. I did question whether or not you were a strong candidate. You ran a campaign in a uh, different way than typically I and others had seen. I'm willing to concede that. But, you know, I think... 7 out of the 8 questions that I've asked you today, you have turned around as an opportunity to sort of relive this 2014 2014 campaign. And you know, you're clearly still pissed about the coverage. Why?
1: I'm not I'm not pissed about the coverage at all. I'm uh, pointing out that uh you you know, I, I think you, you you're you're reliving the 2014. You started off with a question, nobody thought you were going to win. I just said, well, you didn't think I was going to win. That's, it's not fair to start off by saying nobody thought I was going to win.
0: You acknowledged that you were an underdog in that race. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yep. I acknowledged that in uh, June when I announced. Okay. And uh, people that were talking to me in November and asking me questions heard me say, I think we've got a very good chance and this is going in our direction fast. Uh and I think you, you know, and you, you, but I think you, you know, I didn't listen to you all the time, but, you know, I have that uh, VPR debate where the whole headline is Milne got crushed. Well, I don't, I don't think so. I think Peter Shumlin was concerned that he didn't do well in that debate. I think there was an emergency meeting after the Tunbridge Fair thing, which Shumlin did not do well in at all. It didn't get any coverage in the media at all. Uh, they had this big talk to with him. I have a VPR debate. I have one question. I ask him about it. He, either I was totally wrong or he lied. I assumed the media would follow up on that. There was no media coverage on it. They asked me if I got a follow-up. I go, I guess not. My bad. You know, Rather than people in the media going, what was Milne talking about? You were cracking jokes about the guy's running for governor and he's saying, my bad. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that laughing at me, Mark.
0: Mm. Right? Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. I, that, that is one example that I, I didn't think that was, uh, that was the best answer, but um, fair enough. But, but why didn't
1: the media follow up on what was what was behind that? Why did we walk out of that debate with uh, Shumlin's uh, aide, you, you know, yeah, I, I think... conceding that they didn't do very well, and then you got Ann Galloway, your boss, saying Shumlin won the debate. You know, Well, Shumlin didn't win. You know, my read on it from being there, my staff and I got together, and we thought the election turned that day. And uh, my son comes down the next morning at 6.30 with his cell phone like he's a kid who just realized there's no Santa Claus. Going, they're saying we lost. <laughs> you know. So, so I'm not reliving the 2014, but I think you and all your buddies saying nobody thought. You know. You even got Chris Graff on TV last week laughing and saying, and even Scott Milman was surprised. I called Chris Graff to have a conversation with him. He doesn't even bother to call me back. So that's not reliving the 2014 conversation. That's saying to Vermonters... Take with a grain of salt what Mark Johnson tells you and what everybody else tells you, and make sure you find out what's going on when you vote in 2016.
0: Okay. You will get no argument out of me on that. I don't expect anybody to take anything um, in terms of political prognostications from me or anybody else, but anything more than a grain of salt. I think we've all been proven wrong too many times. Do you, um, if you were to run for office in 2016, are you, do you have any confidence that you'll be treated fairly by the media? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? I mean, after what you just said.
1: Um, I, 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 I don't. Th- and you, 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 you and I had that conversation couple times. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, I don't think people are out to get me. I don't think it's a fairness thing. I think it's a competence thing. I think you know. So I and I, I, I think you know people learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I'm going to be an underdog. I'm going to, to make a bunch of mistakes. I'm not going to you know. You want uh, somebody that's going to have the same answer to every question? Go interview Matt Dunn or Sue Minter. It's obvious that's their style already. They already figured out what their answers are. I'm sure they're going to evolve. I'm not going to do that. If you, if you folks want to, you know, use that as an attribute that makes me an incredible, not credible candidate, then we can do. We can. That's the way it'll go. But I don't think that's unfair. You have the right to do that. I think last time you folks, I don't think you were unfair. I think you were wrong. mm mm-hmm.
0: What was your experience of the 2014
1: campaign? Uh, One of the great experiences of my life. Yeah, Absolutely, without a doubt. You know, sort of on the personal side, you know, sort of had the, you know, evolution of, uh, you know, getting into it, thinking my mom and dad were going to be, you know, be a fun part of that uh, family relationship. And, you know, my dad uh, had some health problems. My mom died early into the campaign unexpectedly. and, uh, And, you know, that, you know, sort of, you know, was like a... Uh, you know, you know, a double dose of shock between my dad and my mom within, you know, 45 days, 30 days, 35 days of each other. But then my kids kind of showed up. And, uh, you know, I remember when my mom was running for the house 25 years ago, I'd be, you know, telling her what to do. And, you know, you got to do this, mom. And I could, you know, she always be very respectful, but then I'd sort of get the eye roll once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, it'd be like midnight after, you know, one of these 18 hour days and my kids would be talking about what we got to do tomorrow. I'd go, Thanks a lot, you know, with the eye roll. And uh, so at any rate, circle of life or whatever, you know, my kids really stepped forward, ran that campaign. Had other kids that stepped up that didn't have a lot of experience. It really made a big difference. And I would argue, estimate, I guess, is a better word, Mark, maybe there were like 100 people around Vermont. They got seriously engaged in that campaign and worked hard, whether that working hard was 10 calls a week or you you got... um, Buddy Barnett and Barry that knocked on three hundred doors for me. Mm-hmm. You got people that showed up from Northeast Kingdom that put together these fundraisers that I'd never met before. Show up, you know. That was sort of where you know that fundraising thing. I mean, yeah. again, I, I I don't mean joking in a bad way, but you're on your show saying, oh, I guess Milne learned how to ask for money. I mm-hmm. didn't ask anybody for money. They just showed up because they wanted to change Vermont. So, so but, but but and I would I would I would disagree with you. I'm not. Winding about 2014, I just think Vermont. It was a, it was a, it was a, so at any rate, to answer your question, it was a great experience all around. Mm -hmm. My kids go, Well, remember, Dad, it wasn't great every day, but you know, I think, uh, filter on when you get to be our age, if you're still successful, you look back on what was good and forget about what was good, right?
0: And every day, every day is a gift. Now, with a little bit of time, maybe, uh, why do you ultimately think you came as close as you did?
1: Well, uh, clearly because uh, we were right that um, uh, Vermonters were not happy with the direction of the state, uh, and probably more relevantly with the competence, even if you were happy with the direction of the state, people were not happy with the competence of the management of it of the ship of state by the Shumlin administration. So, you know, we had two things going for us. We uh, got people that uh, weren't happy with the direction motivated, and then we got people going, well, even if we like what's going on, Shumlin can't manage it, and... uh, and we had a strategy, I think we had a strategy from the beginning. And part of our strategy was to tell you folks what our strategy was. And none of you folks bothered to really take it like it was. You know, I, I figured that would have been something that would have had people realize what we we're trying to do instead of sort of got lost in the mix. And But our strategy, I thought, was pretty good, which is, you know, Chumlin's strategy is I'm not going to start campaigning until Labor Day. So Randy Brock goes out and says stuff every day and gives Chumlin something to shoot at all summer long. And the story is Brock doesn't know what he's doing. We go, we're not going to do that. Yeah, we're going to talk about what's wrong with Peter Schumann and make him defend his record. And then we'll come in late with some policies. And granted, it you know, it's complicated putting together policies that you know, I'm going to stand up and defend and not go, oh, yeah, you're right, and you know, rush off things. And, but I thought we had a pretty good strategy. And uh, I think Vermonters uh, are not as uh, liberal, uh, progressive, uh, reckless with people's money. Uh, as the state uh, has been over the last six years, and we we're in the right place at the right time. Does Leahy have the same weaknesses as Shumlin did two years ago? No, no. Uh, Leahy's totally, totally different. Uh, very uh, respected uh, by Vermonters, but uh, Leahy is a, a part of uh, creating the problem that we have in Washington as much as anybody in the U.S. Senate. You know, he's one of the most partisan people in the uh, U.S. Senate. And I don't think for are partisan. I think you know he's got a great reputation for bringing home the bacon. But I think uh, if somebody runs a credible campaign against Patrick Leahy, they're going to point out that's what everybody. That's what every incumbent says. That's why we got an eighteen trillion dollar deficit. Everybody. <laughs> that's why they spend all day calling lobbyists and asking them for money. Mm-hmm. Everybody brings home the bacon. That's mm-hmm. the problem with America. Somebody's got to be willing to stand up and say no. So he's, he's got uh, some liabilities. He's got much better assets and positives than Peter Shumlin, but he's beatable. Every, everybody's beatable.
0: Okay, but it sounds like you would have, you mentioned that against Shumlin you really had two things that you were working with, and, and it sounds like one of them wouldn't be there if you ran against Leahy. So. That he's uh, incompetent? Well, that no, that he, you know, the I guess the more... Uh, and some of the personal, some of the personal animosity people had towards Shumlin too. Clearly, you benefited from, right? I didn't bring that up, and we, and okay. we didn't, we didn't campaign on it at all. But uh, okay, you. Were, so what, what do you see that you say that, that Leahy is stronger than Shumlin was two years ago? Am I characterizing that right? Yeah,
1: I mean he's been elected statewide uh, since 1974. It's a pretty valuable asset two-to-one Democrat to Republican in Vermont. It's a pretty valuable asset. Okay. hasn't ticked off a lot of people. I think Peter Shumlin, with his policies, alienated the middle. Mm-hmm. And with his competence,
0: alienated everybody. You know Leahy's going to argue that he could bring home a lot more money than you ever could because he's got so much seniority. I mean, how do you, how do you counter that argument?
1: It's uh, October 2015. You know, I'm not. I'm not in that I'm, race.
0: I understand. I mean, I'm not asking you to come up with a policy position. I'm asking you, as somebody who you know observes politics, how do you, how do you, how can you, how do you go against somebody who's a seven, eight-term incumbent who can bring home a ton of money, who's got the rank that he does on on appropriations. I mean, it's it's tough.
1: Well, if he was. Completely concerned about, you know, his value to Vermont was bringing home the bacon. He would have taken over chair of appropriations instead of letting, uh, you know, Barbara Malcacy or whatever Mm -hmm. pronunciation of her last name is. So, you know, he's uh, into, uh, you know, judiciary and uh, being a partisan U.S. Senator that can drive um, accomplishments for what I would argue is a minority of Americans and a clear minority of Vermonters. Mm -hmm. Um, Every U.S. Senator, has a lot of influence because of being one of 100 senators. I think uh, being a um, uh, Republican from Vermont, a Republican from New England, gives you a lot more um, value as a rare commodity than being a partisan, liberal senator who's been there for 40 years. Mm -hmm. It's my my, my, my opinion. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, what I would say is, you know, clearly uh, Vermonters that are making a living off bacon that uh, Leahy's bringing home Probably going to be supporting me.
0: On the um, on the $100 thing, um, you'd need to spend more than $100. I don't think so. Okay. How, how okay. So how how tell me how you would run a campaign on less than $100.
1: Well, Pat Lee, he can run a campaign on $100. I can run a campaign on $100. Pat Lee decides he needs millions of dollars to defeat uh, somebody that uh, Has very little chance, based on all the people that know what's going on, of winning. Then it becomes a different race.
0: Okay. Okay. So, I know you're gonna probably criticize me for this, but I think some people who hear this might think of this as sort of a false challenge. I mean, a hundred dollars is that? That doesn't really sound realistic. Are you? You're just sort of. Are you trying to bait him into a a low limit? What do you? I mean, what are you really trying to accomplish with a hundred dollars, Scott?
1: I'm honoring the legacy of George Aiken, who I have a lot of respect for. My grandfather ran uh, George Aiken's office in Washington in the 40s for a while, so I've been hearing Aiken's story since I was a little kid. Uh, and I think uh, uh, you look at what's happened in the last generation. You had George Aiken, who had breakfast with Mike Mansfield, who was the Democratic leader on a weekly basis. Yeah, They worked to get things done, not to have lobbyists that are giving them money to promote uh, partisan special interests. I think uh, America is going to be much better if it goes back to a George Aiken, Mike Mansfield time in the way the Senate functions. Uh, I believe that uh, one of the big lessons of the 2014 campaign, you know, whether it's folks in the media kind of motivating people to come out and work harder for me because they didn't think what they were hearing was factual whether it was the 100 people that stepped up to go knock on doors for me or whether it was me stepping up for election. I think one of the big lessons of 2014 in Vermont is one person can make a difference. And um, whether I win or lose, if I do get in that race, I'm going to A, think i got a chance of winning, and B, think it's going to be good for Vermont and America. And I think there's a chance that if people galvanize that we can change the way elections function in America and get this big money out. And, you know, the it becomes a very complicated thing because money sort of is a counter on the right has become a counterbalance to the more or less union organizing abilities, which it really is money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But we need to think through it. As you, as you know, my I think you know, my mom was one of the um, sponsors of the campaign finance bill in Vermont. So... You got know, a grandfather who ran Aiken's office. I've been hearing Aiken stories over fishing poles since I was seven years old. I got a mother who, uh, you know, granted it was an imperfect bill, but who believed campaign finance was something that's important and something that needs to change. And I think um, Pat targeting Pat Leahy is probably a good way to move the ball forward on that win or lose.
0: Have you? Uh, do you care if the Republican Party in Vermont supports you? Have you talked to them? What? what?
1: Yes, uh, I've talked to uh, the uh, uh, Republicans in Vermont. Uh, I've talked. T- you know, uh, Hines uh, either misquoted me, or I misunderstood his question, or, or I misspoke. Um, you know, I have talked to the uh, Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee about it, um, uh, and uh, I care. Uh, I'd like everybody to support me. Do I think I need Washington support to win? Absolutely not. Do I think I need to have a, uh, a Republican um, uh, establishment in Vermont that's going to play team ball up and down the ticket on trying to change things? I, I think that makes everybody stronger.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned Paul Heinz Did you read his piece this week about the fundraiser that you were criticizing? Mm-hmm. What'd yes. What did you think of it?
1: He's, he's, he's a good—you uh, he's, a, he's he, you know, I thought it was good that he showed up and— uh, and covered the story. You know, I think too often things like that just go under the radar and nobody knows about them.
0: Give you a little confidence maybe in the me- in the Vermont media?
1: No, I have, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, this, you know, I, I'm, I, just between you and me, I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think you guys were unfair. I just think you were wrong. And I think it's like everything. I mean, it's a challenge in everybody's life. You sort of get on autopilot. You do things the way you always did them and you kind of think you're doing them right. And then you get a Oh, shit, everybody's buying their stuff on Expedia. We better take a look at how we're doing things. We thought we were doing a great job. I mean, that's a 15-year-old problem. Mm -hmm. Now it's, you know, Mm -hmm. JetBlue's getting everybody double points, the book direct. How are we going to figure that out? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, maybe the Republicans aren't as stupid as we thought they were. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or You know, I don't mean to say that in a bad way, but I don't think it was unfair. I just think, it you know, there's like this group think mentality. And I mean, one of the two things that you're directly related to that motivated me to run against Peter Shumlin are, one... Can't remember who but i think it's eric davis coming on your show in 2011 saying it could be 100 years before we see a republican elected governor in vermont again
0: yeah or i remember he also said that peter Shumlin will be governor as long as he wants to be or something like that yeah
1: i, mean, yeah. I, I probably heard that one too but i remember hearing that and it didn't get challenged and i'm going that's seems pretty preposterous to me but didn't get challenged in that you know and, and i think that hubris. Contributed, you know that that contributed to the hubris of the Schumlin administration coming in, which led to a lot of problems. So a media that's doing its job is vital to everybody. The bigger one that you let uh, Hamilton Davis get away with, probably in April of 2014, is saying, you know, Mark, what you got to remember is, and he's you know humping his single payer agenda, uh, in my opinion, but he's on your show and he goes. What we need to remember or appreciate is Peter Shulman is is surrounded by the smartest team of any governor in the country. And I wasn't sitting there, but I basically sense you're just shaking your head yes and going, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) And it's like, that is friggin' preposterous. Or I'm going to get killed if I run for governor because that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. They're mismanaging on a level of never seen before in Vermont history, in my opinion.
0: So what? What? Um, I mean, it's still pretty early in the ball game here. What do you? What do you? What are you thinking in terms of when you're going to decide?
1: Twenty sixteen. Yeah, you know, pro- probably pretty early, I would guess. But, but I don't know. You know, I think strategy is more. Uh, you know, figuring out what a strategy is and what a team is and things like that. I've already got, you know, some key pieces of a team put together. Uh, uh, you know, and and uh, I could you know just to point out. Um, you know, I had somebody who volunteered, uh, was a great part of my last campaign. I haven't told very many people at all about the uh, uh, and I'm gonna out my strategy here so, you know, but at any rate, so you know, so I'm talking to somebody who volunteered who's been talking to me a lot about wanting to get involved in campaigns and having a paid position and things and I didn't want to lead this person on anymore. So told them what I was thinking of doing, which is running a hundred dollar campaign and making a statement. And it's going to involve anybody that wants to be involved. is going to be volunteering and paying for their own gas mileage. And the downside of that is it excludes people that can't afford to do that, to be heavily involved in the campaign. But that person's reaction wasn't, that's a drag, I can't be involved in the campaign, wasn't that's cool. I'm in. Wasn't I applaud you for doing? It? Yeah, it was. How can you possibly do that? I have to pay my bills. You know, I can't do that. And that's set. That's that person's reality. But to me, that's an insight into the pervasiveness of the problem of money in politics. That multiplied by two orders of magnitude is what goes on in Washington DC all the time. You know, hey, um XYZ, I'm in Washington DC yesterday at this American Express travel meeting. Their lobbyist is getting up and doing a presentation on what their lobbyists do. You know, I think anybody else in the country that's run for US Senate, thinking about running for office in 2016, would have run over and kissed that person's ring and said, "Hey, I need help. What do I, can I, what, how can I get you guys to help me out? They would help me out naturally. I got a 30 year relationship with them. Mm-hmm. I didn't go over and talk to her.
0: Yeah, so we'll see. Everybody says, I mean even Leahy and Sanders, you know they I mean uh, will decry the money in politics. So you're, you're not buying it and do you think it actually can be be uh, gotten rid of?
1: I think if somebody can win a campaign for the US Senate by spending $100 dollars, it's gonna send a shot around the halls of Congress and, you know, I and I think I think what's the challenge in politics is the skills that it takes to get elected year after year are the opposite of good leadership. To get elected year after year, you got to figure out what people want to hear and tell them that and pretend you're leading the parade. In my opinion, if you want to be a good leader, you, you know, you want to listen to people, make sure you understand what people are thinking, but you got to figure out what you want to do. and what you think is right and be willing to get your head cut off politically speaking for that. And I think I got a pretty good track record of seeing firsthand with my mother that that's a noble way to operate in public life. I think if you look at Senator Leahy and most of the other people in Washington, they run around and say, citizen United's terrible money in politics is terrible. Hey, I'm having a fundraiser for $5,000. Come on over. and We talk about it. That's hypocrisy. So, I think if you don't take any money from people, and uh, you don't solicit money or take money from outside interests, and you lose an election, that's at least you're not a hypocrite.
0: What if Leahy agrees to a limit?
1: Uh, I, I, I would. If I were Pat Leahy, I would run a hundred dollar campaign. He's clearly going to win. We'll talk about some issues that I think are important. And, uh, you know, I I don't think I've ever voted for Pat Leahy, so I'm a big minority in Vermont. Um, You know, partly, you know, because I got a better appreciation for Aiken than most people do, partly because I, you know, liked Dick Mallory in that 74 election, and uh, I worked for Stuart Ledbetter in the 80s, so I've, you know, got a firsthand, you know, perception of Pat Leahy, that's different than a lot of people. He's a great Vermonter. He's done a lot of good things. I got a lot of respect for him. But I don't think he's going to go down in history as one of the top two senators from Vermont. You know, Aikens ahead of him. Um, if he wants to go out on uh, putting some walk into his talk of we need to get money out of politics, he'll probably get reelected, and he'll... Uh, Make massive uh, strides towards having a legacy that's going to be tremendous, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Does it bother you that he tries to compare himself to George Aiken?
1: I don't. I, you know, I don't pay no, I don't. I haven't heard him compare himself to George Aiken, so I don't know that.
0: Well, he. I mean, he'll talk about his years of service. He just at one point passed, became the longest-serving senator after Aiken. Uh, I think there's a there's a an attempt by. The senator to try to put himself up on that same Mount Rushmore of uh, Vermont political leaders. Yeah, it, um, I,
1: I would. If I were him, I'd probably try to do that too. You know, I'm me and I try to say George Aiken's name whenever I can. So, <laughs> and I'm a travel agent, just so you, just to remind you, <laughs> mm-hmm. you are.
0: And it did, uh, could, could you run another campaign? Did it? Uh, did the 2014 campaign negatively affect what you try to do here to the point where that would that's an issue?
1: Uh, no, no. I you know I think it, I think it, you know uh, I'm a small business and I'm pr- pretty valuable to our you know b- business and I you know checked out for seven months pretty much uh, except for but I got a great management team and uh, you know some, I think some people don't like my what i did politically and are less likely to buy here but and some people maybe the other way but i think most people in vermont go i mean if you we saw that with my mom over civil unions people were saying mm-hmm. they'd never do yeah. business again and i i think people respect people that get engaged politically or in social things and if you disagree with them it's better than have them out there talking about it and having a business that can support their voice and um you know we get a lot of growth uh uh, opportunities in this business were, you know, uh, about 75 people, in, you know, depends on the year, 50, 60 million dollars in sales. I think in five years we'll have a 200 million dollar business here. Wow. Um, you know, if I get elected and, um, uh, you know, I would need to figure out a way of, you know, distancing my, you know, I couldn't have my, you know, 400% growth come from defense contractors. <laughs> right. travel, Right. It would be right. a pretty hypocritical thing, so. You know, uh, so we'll see. We'll see. There's a, there's and, a whole bunch of balls. And the in the Vermont
0: media might even report on on stuff like yeah. that. too. Yeah, yeah. that would be good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, or even you know the Vermont media would probably start buying
0: stuff from me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Is there anything you want to add that I haven't asked you? No, but I
1: hope you uh, uh, edit a lot of what I told you. Okay. Sure. <laughs>